So welcome, welcome your backup plan tribe to our podcast this week on strokes and the journey there too. My name is Tina Ginn. For anybody who doesn't know me, I have, um, I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author, a financial expert, and a app developer of your backup plan app out of Vancouver, BC. Um, we post step-by-step tutorials, sometimes current events in the news, um, tips and tricks with our weekly interviews and whatever else I feel like posting. I interview every week real-life people who share their real-life stories each and every week on my podcast and live broadcasts. If you want to keep up with our videos, be sure to hit the red subscribe button down below and tap on that bell so you get notified of any uploads and live videos. And please give me a thumbs up when you want to love or share this video. Your backup plan app uh, puts your life in one place in preparation of any unpredictable circumstance with taking the painful aftermath out of any tragedy. And I am so thrilled today Um, This week is a very special week for me because my soul sister is on our interview this week. And I'd love, 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 love to introduce Tervel Jones-Sampson, who's from L.A., beautiful L.A. that I wish I was there right now. Welcome, Tervel. Thank you for having me, Tina. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. And I'm honored to have you here and Um, We definitely need to have a glass of wine and do this more often and have our little meetings to touch base on see how we're doing with each other. Um, Jervelle's been a very, very dear friend of mine, and I know that I'm there for her and she's there for me. Even though we have a country apart from each other, we're just, you know, a few hours apart from a plane ride. One day when we'll we'll actually be able to do that again. Yes. (laughs) So Javel has a very special story about her husband who had a stroke, and I'll let her tell her story about her journey in these last four years. Javel, if you'd like to um, tell us what you do, and your journey is just amazing and so inspirational. Okay, well, I'll start off by saying I'm a professional portrait photographer. I specialize in underwater Uh, portraiture and also above water. That is my passion. I've been a professional photographer for almost 10 years now. Um, What Tina is referring to though in my personal life four years ago, almost four years ago on April 12, 2017, I had a phone call that changed my life forever. I was at home, I'll never forget the evening editing, and I got a phone call Um, My husband was at the gym working out. Actually, he was playing basketball. And I got a phone call from one of his basketball playmates uh, that he was down. Um, My husband was a practicing ophthalmologist, eye surgeon. And the call went something like this. Doc, doc, he's down, he's down. I thought my husband had expired. I thought he had died. This person was so upset and he was watching it happen live, so much so that he couldn't even tell me what, what was, was happening. going on because he was watching it. And he said, 
you know, you need to get to the ER. I rushed to the emergency room. By the time I got there, he was in a room with probably, it appeared to be 50 people in that room working on him. I went barely, I couldn't really get in there, but I went in there and I knew it was bad, Tina. I knew watching him or seeing him, something really devastating had happened. He was coughing up blood. He still had on his basketball clothes. And he said to me, just like a commercial slurred speech, he said, uh, okay. Then I was snatched by the um, doctor who said, I hate to put this pressure on you, but you need to speak to the neurosurgeon right now. Every moment is priceless. Crucial. Crucial. Yes, crucial. And the neurosurgeon said to me, talking really fast, he has a hemorrhage in his brain. We have to stop the hemorrhage. We have to do this procedure. In layperson's term, we're going to basically cut half of his skull off, take it off, put it in storage, relieve the pressure, um, drain this bleed. And, um, you know, that's what we're going to have to do. And all I can tell you, if you don't sign the consent for us to do this, he won't see the sunrise. If you do sign, I can't promise you what you'll be left with. That was the choice I had. And he said, you don't even have a, t you don't even have a moment to call someone. You, we need to do this now. So it's like that TV show where you can't call a friend. Exactly. I could not. So of course I said, you know, do everything you can. So fast forward to almost four years. Um, my husband was left paralyzed. He, within the last year and a half, has lost the ability to really articulate. He's had other strokes and seizures the last three years that have just um, contributed to his decline. And kept, try to kept at a balance with medicine. Exactly, exactly. Um, I am totally responsible for him. I am his primary caregiver. I balance my business miraculously and do that at the same time because um, I'm sure Tina is going to address being prepared for certain things. So when she talks about that, we'll get more into uh, perhaps if you were ever in this situation, maybe things I would have done differently. So that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think um, a little talking about a little bit about how wonderful Reggie was. I mean, his story about being this eye doctor is amazing because he was really starting to fly with helping his clients and his people that couldn't see. And he was really, you know, getting somewhere and how he did triathletes, triathlons and yeah marathons and how he you know biked to work every day and had a business and ridiculously fit like there wasn't anyone more fit than he was no no so for all those marathon runners and athletes out there that think that you are superman right. from everything you're not no no, there was no one I knew more fit. Um, we practice a vegan lifestyle. 
My husband was the same weight from high school, extremely lean. He worked out, his workout schedule was very much like a professional athlete. He had done over a hundred marathons. Matter of fact, three weeks prior to this event happen, happening, he had just done um, LA marathon. So we're talking about someone who was more fit than the average, you know, not just a occasional gym person. No. Yeah, yeah. Every and he loved it. With his lifestyle. He absolutely lived for it. And he loved his job. So we're not talking about someone who was stressed from their work. He loved healing. He loved um, giving sight, giving sight back. So he was wow. not stressed from that. So No, and he seemed to get so much out of that, being able to help other people yes. like that. Yes. So um, fast forwarding that to you had to try to sell his business and try and come out of all of that and still provide an income for yourself. It was a nightmare because um, I was sort of like a 1950s housewife. I um, had a very charmed life. I did not work at the office, so I didn't even know how his office worked. So imagine the person is down and not only are they down, when he came out of surgery, he was in a coma. So it's not even like he could say, okay, this is what you need to do or talk to this person or this is what you should do. I never ever could have that conversation because he was never ever ever able to articulate any sort of direction. Ever, again. Ever. No, I had to navigate this all alone try to keep my home and I knew I knew instinctively this was really bad I knew it was so bad Tina I don't even think you know this part of my story Reggie had the stroke on a Wednesday he was in a coma after I had a job that Saturday three days later I did not cancel that job because I knew I better do every job I have I do not, I cannot have the luxury of canceling jobs, even though my partner was down and out. And I didn't even know if he would come to. My instinct told me, you better get in survivor mode immediately. And I've been working ever since. He was in the hospital 322 days. And I con continue to run my business to the best of my and I'm not sure which is worse, going back and forth to a hospital and being there for someone um, holding their hand or, I mean, even if you can't talk to them, you still want to be there at your partner, but then you have to work. So is it easier to be, have them at home and work around it? Or is it easier? Like, I'm not sure. I think both are. Um, they're hard. both bad. Being at the hospital, I think probably was worse because I had to drive somewhere and I got to the place I hated the smell of the hospital. And not that it smelled bad, but that- There's a smell. Yeah, <laughs> the smell of alcohol and- It's like a dentist office. Yeah, I hated going into the hospital. Yeah. I hated going to the hospital. I went every day and most nights I stayed there. I lived there too. But, yeah, um, oh, absolutely. And it's hard to, you know, get your jobs and do the jobs uh, in photography and still try to have a regular so-called lifestyle. Mentally connected with my clients and not fall apart 
Yeah. So it's like having a total separate life. But I will say this, the photography is what got me through. Not just adding to my bottom line, it was a way for me to escape my reality. Right. So I oh. needed it for so many reasons. Especially underwater, I find you really, when, when you go underwater, it just seems like you're in a different world. Yes, yes, yes. So I think if I wouldn't have had my photography, I don't know where I would be. I probably would be in a corner somewhere overdosing on Xanax and drinking. I don't know. I probably would just be doing a lot of bad, destructive behavior. Yeah, yeah. And this keeps you grounded. Yeah, yes. In many ways but awkward in other ways <laughs> yes yes because it's hard to turn that switch on and off it is it is it is and so what kinds of things would you tell people to be better prepared for if you were to take your younger self back four or five six years ago i think the biggest thing that we did not do and it's not like we didn't know about this and I don't know what, what it's like in Canada because every country is different, but we should have had a long-term care policy. Now, the reason we did not have one is because Reggie had a pre-existing condition. He did have genetic hypertension and he couldn't qualify for a long-term health policy. They're very expensive, even if you do qualify. Yes. But hopefully you would never have to use this policy but in the event that you did, you could at least have coverage for in-home care. There is no coverage that I have that qualifies for in-home care. And people like to say to me, well, can't your insurance get like more caregiving? It's like, hell no, they don't pay for that. That's not something that's covered. And then people, the other thing I get, Tina, people will say, wouldn't it be easier to put him like in a facility, it's like, maybe, but- Who's paying pay for, for that? that. <laughs> that's not free either. So people think that that's an option that's free or the, our insurance- Just not do free. that. You know, what's your problem? What just, just it's people like that easy. So I think people need to be aware of what, if you had something happen, what is available? Yeah. Um, what else would I have done? Health-wise, there's nothing we could have done differently because Reggie was extremely healthy. Healthy, yeah. His medication. Um, but my husband knew this was going to happen. Because he would say to me, it's not if, it's when. He said, there's no way my pressure, the way it will go up and down, even with medication, even with me exercising, even with me eating clean, not drinking, not doing anything. There's no way that something's not gonna happen one day. And he said, my biggest wish is when it happens, it takes me out immediately. I would never wanna be a burden to it. So. Yeah, that doesn't help right now. No. <laughs> and the other thing uh, I would tell people, and we did have this, have an advanced help directive but have someone who can execute it. I was the person to execute for Reggie and there were things I couldn't do. And 
he's probably mad that I didn't do those things. But if you have an advanced directive, which you should, and you say something like, I don't want a feeding tube, I don't care. You need to make sure whoever is over your health directive would honor that. I couldn't. And he had all of these things listed that he would not want. And I could not do it. And furthermore, I had outside pressures of other people who, even if I could do it, they probably would have fought me on it, I think. Because um, at the time when I had to make a lot of those decisions, Reggie was not able to express his own desires. So yeah. it would have been me saying, no, I don't want him to have a feeding tube. You know what I mean? So Right. So um, it makes it so difficult when you don't have a power of attorney. And I just call them living wills because whatever country you're in um, and a health directive of some sort, mm -hmm. people don't realize how important those are, but um, because they, and your wishes, of course, um, people think that they have a will and that's all they need, but they haven't really talked about the what ifs. Mm -hmm. And we had all of that. Uh, I just didn't, I just couldn't honor it because I just emotionally wasn't able to process what those decisions meant. Yes. So it should have been somebody else who could have just been non-biased and said, this man does not want this or this or this because it's going to prolong a very long health issue. Not even a health issue. It's gonna prolong a very poor quality of life. That's what it comes down to. Oh, I see. And my husband knew that because he was being kept here by invasive procedures or like feeding tube, training, yeah. those kind of things. And he knew that. So as as I now looking back, he was of sound mind and body when he made those things. He knew from a medical point of view, if what you meant. have to be fed by a tube, your quality of life is, you know, but I couldn't, I just wasn't able to do it. So you need to have somebody on your thing that'll do the stuff and not yeah, and not fair. They just will know that's what you really want. It's just so hard, though. It's emotional. Mm -hmm. it's, you can't you can't take your heart out of the picture for one second to analyze something from a non biased point of view. So I am definitely figuring out who that person is going to be for me. It's going to need to be a mean person who can just say, "Nope," she said, "No." <laughs> a mean person. He said, no. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> he said, no. So you might want to get a frenemy to do <laughs> Well, oh, not necessarily. A frenemy might not do it. I should say that. <laughs> you got to strategically plan who that person could be. It needs to probably be someone who doesn't really like you. I shouldn't say that. I don't know who it needs to be. Because when they do love you, they're not going to be able to do it, are they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there comes a time, too, where people can, families can fight amongst each other about yeah, what that person wanted. And, you know, it, it's everybody's opinion feels like they have a right to it. Mm -hmm. 
So it's like death. Everybody comes out of the woodwork and decides that they know best and their opinion matters. And, you know, it's so unfortunate that we have to go through these relationship issues as well on top of all the other emotions that we have. It's just so unfair. And that's why this keeps me doing what I do every day to, to hear the story and how can I make that better for someone else? You know, and I think that's where you're probably a little bit at now is what can I do for somebody else not to go through what I'm doing? Yeah, plan. I think plan. Um, even even are, as hard are, as it is yeah, to plan. Or either have a hell of a lot of money. Because even in my situation, it's not the worst thing having Reggie at home. That's not the bad part. If I just had more resources to have more help, it would be a breeze but I don't because it's so expensive to have in-home care. But if I had a little bit more, my life could be pleasant. Yeah. Well, yeah. somebody not- for, that comes for about like seven hours a day, but we all know there's 24 hours in a day. So that other 18 hours, it's, it's on you. It is on me um and even though my husband is then dead weight is dead weight so a couple of weeks ago i was moving him and i hurt my lower back my right lower back but i didn't realize i hurt my back i just noticed that it was sore and i noticed when i had to sneeze or if i took a deep breath it was hurting so then I said, maybe I have COVID. <laughs> I didn't make the connection. It was from that. So I'm looking up COVID symptoms like, and I put in, it hurts to breathe and my lower back hurts. <laughs> and symptom. So I said, oh shit, I have now I have COVID and I'm a caregiver. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is more like a, a pulled muscle thing. So then I made the connection, but I guess I pulled it and it hurt my rib cage that so was making breathing hurt. But I thought I had COVID because of that. Well, talking about COVID has put a whole other angle to your problem this year. With weird way, but not really. I think, and I tell people this, not that I discount or um, disregard COVID. I definitely do protocol, wear my mask, clean things, blah, blah, blah. But I tell people I've had the worst, worst catastrophic health event already happened to me. I'm not trying to get COVID or get my husband to have COVID, but it's like, <laughs> I've had bad things happen with health. So uh, just bring it on COVID, be another thing. Yeah, but the the whole thing about trying to, you know, have caregivers come in, I know for for people that are home or isolated, it makes it very hard because there's limited access to caregivers now. With, mm-hmm. You know, what I, are the- I have the same lady, and fortunately, um, because of the economy, and I'm sure it's like this in Canada, and people losing jobs, Yeah, people need to work. So I know this woman who works for me, she needs this job. She does not have the luxury of saying, I'm not going to go to my job because of COVID, because she needs this income, and it's not like I'm paying her, you know. Yeah ridiculously large salary but what I am paying 
it's helping helps her, her sustain her family. So um, the good thing is, you're right, I already had her before COVID. This probably had this happen and I needed to find someone post. But I'm thinking, even if I had to find someone now, there's so many people who are really struggling. I don't think it would be a problem to find somebody. But what about his physio that he was doing before? Like that's the Medicare, pays, the, the Medicare pays for two visits a week and that person comes from an agency. She will be here today, actually. So she just comes for one hour, twice a week. And she, he used to go to the clinic. His family was um, underwriting that. Um, but uh, we have not gone there since the COVID thing. Yeah. That place had opened up with limited, um, they had new procedures, but it had been such a break the family did not um, continue it because it's pretty expensive. Yeah. And I think, um, this is my opinion, I, I think they probably felt, is it something we should continue? Mm -hmm. But no one ever had that conversation with me. But, but it still makes it awkward when you were going to another clinic and during COVID. I mean, there's, we all know what that March to June kind of looked like for everybody. Yeah, it, it was difficult to say, how do we revamp this to make it work for people? Yeah. So, you know, so, so to answer your question, he doesn't go out of the house. Yeah. And that's probably best during COVID anyways, unfortunately, but I don't even know anymore. <laughs> no, who knows? I mean, I know he was doing so well and he's slowly uh, declining and that I'm sure all our listeners are feeling, feeling the pain. Yeah. It's, the pain. It's, 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 it's horrific to see your partner decline. Yes. Slowly. Was so vibrant and full of life. Yeah. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. No, absolutely not. And, you know, I don't think anyone has a voice to say if you haven't walked in your shoes. Right. You, don't right. Know, you can't really say anything is what I always say. But um, I would like to probably the last question that I had for you, Jervell, was what would you tell other people, other wives that may have to go through something like this? And is there any tips that, you know? Um, you a couple of things. One of the things that also keeps me, I won't say grounded, but halfway palatable dealing with this situation is prior to the stroke, we lived every moment. So if you are not living, whatever that means to you, because living to everyone is something different, you need to live, you need to live like there's no tomorrow. So that in the event something happens, you're not sitting there saying, oh, you know, we already, we had said when we retire, we're gonna do this, or, you know, when the kids get out of the house, we're gonna do this, or we're gonna do this. You need to live every moment. And we did live every moment. So that being said, I don't have those regrets. Yeah. So live every moment, like there's no tomorrow, um, let me see, is there any way to prepare to be a caregiver? No, you just hope it never happens. I can't, yeah. 
uh, you just need to have a big bank account or a good policy. Because I said, if you had those things, it's not that bad. If you had a lot of money, it's not bad having someone at home. And if you have the proper care, it's, it's not the worst thing. It's actually very nice having someone home. Because who wouldn't want to be home, regardless of whatever their situation is? It's just really hard. I, I do all I can to keep Reggie home. Well, I don't really have a choice. It's like if I, it's not like you can go to a place and it's cheap. But I do. No. And the other thing, I guess, is for a woman that's at home having to have this new journey of life with her partner, um, it's probably good to have something that you could go to that's your own that you have excitement about in a job. Yeah, you have something. Uh, yeah, have a career, a job, a hobby, something. You need something. You need some outlet because you will go crazy. You will go crazy. <laughs> and self care and self love. Don't care. Take care of yourself, regardless. Because there's nobody else, which women and moms are so bad at. Yes, you have to. You have to take time for yourself so that you can be strong and take care of all these other situations. That arise. Mm -hmm. And what, um, I guess the only other thing that I can think of um, is the planning part with your partner. Yes. Yes. To have a better understanding and they're hard conversations. I tell people they're not easy. No. But once you do them, it, it's it's actually, it feels so much weight off your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And luckily you did have a few of those conversations. Yes, we have which, quite a few, actually. Which many people don't. Yeah, and it's an awkward conversation, but you need to have it. And even with, I always say to people too, and not, even just not with your own partner and yourself, but with your family might be your parents or something that you need to know what's going on with them as well. Exactly. Because it will affect you. Yeah. In the end. Yes. And yeah, you do need to have those conversations. So why aren't, so why do you think we're not prepared? Why do you think that is? No one wants to face our own mortality. We feel we're invincible. We're going to live forever. We're not going to get sick. We're not, you know, but the longer you live, stuff just can happen. And maybe you'll be the fortunate person that nothing will happen to. But yeah. I, you know, it's just a reality that you just need to be prepared. There's just so many things that can happen. Yeah. And the, the thing that I always say to people is, you know, I think people, if I said, what are the 10 things that you have to be prepared with? They probably would mention, you know, two or three things and, they have no clue about what the other ones are. So, yeah. So that's what I am here to try to help people do is have those awkward conversations, do the planning and talk about it and use the worksheets and take them off. And, um, and then you, I mean, you can't change the money aspect. No, no, no. Um, the only thing you could do is be planned with some sort of disability policy to whatever that looks like you qualify for right mm -hmm. you got to qualify at least in our country you have to qualify yes absolutely I get it yeah yeah but there's so many other things that I think as a partner mm -hmm. that you want to know and get into their brain and say what do you think he wanted what do you think because then you get other people coming in from the family or friends I remember you telling me the story about living in the same house or trying to move 
What should I do? And everyone has their opinion. Yeah, everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And it's no different in death either. No, no, no. So opinions are good sometimes. Yes. And opinions are bad for those people that are left alone trying to figure out what's right in their heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, yeah, I... I'm speechless for once (laughs) because there's just so much that you have to go through. And I've been riding this journey with you ever since I have, and you got to um, witness it up close and personal. Yeah. Yeah. And I would not wish it on anyone. No. And for some reason um, it's been brought into our lives and we're not sure why and why things happen quickly like that. Um, like I say to people, no one, you know, asks to be hit by a car, mm-hmm. you know, nobody asks to, mm-hmm. you know, have something happen. I'm sure Reggie didn't think that that was ever, he no. thought it would happen, but he just didn't know what it would look like. No, 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 no. But um, I do know that you have a fabulous photography business that um you know, I think people need to realize the, the passion that you have in your field and you're so, so good at it. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things, Tina, being able to do my craft feeds my soul in so many ways. Um, it is the one thing that has kept me going, kept me grounded. And, you know, I specialize in women portraiture and there's just something about the women I photograph or I've been fortunate to photograph. And what I've realized is we all have a story, we all have a journey. And we as women are just so resilient. It's like, I have my story, but there are so many other stories that I'll photograph someone that I have no clue until I start talking to a person and they share something that they, um, have gone through and, and it's like you start saying oh my goodness like I thought my life had challenges I can't even imagine I photographed a woman one time and she shared a story about five years ago she was homeless you wow. know who thinks about something like that you know I've had things happen but I've never I've always had food my utilities are on my mortgage is paid I haven't hit that challenge but you know there are people and we've and they've lived to tell the story and resilient yeah you know so So i told in so many ways just hearing stories of other women and journeys that they've overcome or losses absolutely everyone was sharing with me that um i guess 20 years ago her fiance they were looking at tv and he had a massive heart attack and died right in front of her. Oh. And, but she said she found love again, like four or five months later, she met a man in a grief group and she's still with this man from 20 years. So, you know, like just up encouraging stories of being resilient and surviving different. Obstacles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, um, it goes back to our mental health Um, podcast this week on suicide and depression because 
we can all hide these hidden secrets inside of us. And when you meet someone, they have no idea what your journey has been or what you're going through. No, no. And the thing I get all the time is, and I don't know what this is supposed to mean. I, uh, maybe it's supposed to be a compliment. You don't look like you're a caregiver. Now, I don't know what a caregiver is supposed to look like. <laughs> but maybe you're supposed to be beat down like... I don't know. It's like, <laughs> you don't look like you do. <laughs> it's like, well, I do, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> but I guess I'm supposed to be, woe is me, you know. Yeah. Broke down from the floor up, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know either, but um, you definitely have to get away from it for some times and periods of time to um, really have that grounding back again. Yes. yes. And I hope people can understand that's what caregivers need. Yes, self-care. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know where else to go with this because your story is so amazing. And if anyone could just see Reggie, they would fall in love with you and him um, because he was... He's, he definitely would not want to be in this position that he's in right now. If anyone knew him as a doctor, um, he was making some really ground, strikingly, amazingly, um, not inventions, but progress. Yeah, he was doing a lot of, um, speaking of what's going on with the COVID thing, um, one of his offices was a... Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a, like a testing center. He was doing a lot of um, research on new innovative um, drugs for the eye. Drug studies. He was doing a lot of drug studies. So he was on the cutting edge of that. Um, and bringing study. people's eyesight back. It's yes. just, yes. Yes. you know, we need more of those people. We definitely do. Yes, he was an incredible surgeon. Yes. And, um, and you're an incredible photographer. So um, I hope that um, we can maybe touch base in a few more months and give our listeners maybe a little bit. Um, I think it's great to tell a story, but it's nice to have follow up. Isn't yeah. that what we always like? I hate the news when they tell us a story, but then don't follow that up and tell us what happened after. Yes. Like, yes. Never getting the end of the movie. Yes. Yes, left with the cliffhanger. Yes. Because miracles can happen, and I hope some miracles can start happening yes. and blessings for yes. you. Yes. And um, yeah, so guys, listeners um, out there, um, there's a few tips from Jervell and um, a loving and amazing story for everyone to really appreciate um, and live for today and reach out to those that maybe are alone and going through certain things during COVID, um, especially, that uh, you should pick up that phone and call them and say hi. Yes. Thank you, Tina, for having me as your guest. You're welcome. I, uh, I think we'll do an update in a few months yes. and see how things are progressing. And, um, and I wish you all the best, of course. So listeners, we're going to take it from there. Um, I can see that our topic this week was full of inspiration and 
Um, I will put her Gervell's description down below for her business um, and her uh, photography business. So on all social media, we will have her information for anyone who wants to reach out to Gervell. And um, stay tuned for the podcast next week. I really appreciate each and every one of my listeners. Um, I send love and light to everyone. And I always end with Carol Burnett. So I'm so glad you had this time together. Just have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes the time we have to say so long. I forget my ear part. (laughs) Good. So thank you so much, Javel. Thank you, listeners. Bye for now.